another episode of the Garanta Initiation Series. My name is Jörg. And I'm Ludo, aka Lord Abdul. <laughs> and today we have uh, Joel. Hi, Joel. Hey, guys. It's a it's a bloody pleasure to meet you. Uh, I know this is gonna be, uh, this early part got cut out, but these these guys, FYR, are still easy to talk to. Uh, <laughs> killed all the fears. <laughs> now I feel like a, a sweet, comfortable child. <laughs> I, I mean, on, on the one hand, I'm happy that we do indeed look nice once you get to talk to us. But I'm also happy that we sounded intimidating and weird before, and that you were. <laughs> oh, it was like it's, like, it's, it's like yes, yes. That's that's the uh, that's our MO right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, this is your interview, so please introduce yourself and tell us why oh, you're, yeah, why so, you're here. Uh, Hello, my name is Joel Bridge. I, I'm originally from New Jersey. I'm currently uh, out in uh, San Diego uh, studying theology at St. Catharines uh, and uh, veteran stuff as well, like that it matters. But uh, it's, uh, so I've seen the world. I got a little experience with that. Not a, not a close, close to American. And uh, I always have been vastly interested and in love with the setting. Uh, as we're going to start, I guess, talking more about it, uh, I'll, I'll, talk, I'll, I'll kind of break down these questions as you can you can ask as you go. Um, so yeah, from Jersey, uh, so military for about ten years, bartender cities. So and I and I've always been in RPGs, be it uh, mostly as a lot of young adults consoles for my generation. Mm-hmm. Led JRPGs, G, uh, JRPGs initially, and then when I was fourteen. I played Kotor, I told Republic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that 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 kind of ruined me for a bit. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> what what sort of JRPG did you play? Is it the usual like FF? Oh, it was six? it was typical. It was like Final Fantasy. Well, it was actually, I played some obscure stuff too. But it was like it was like you know Final Fantasy. But then I played things like Parasite Eve. Ooh, um, yeah. Oh no! Right? I, I, the original is still floating around somewhere. I, I, of course, all the games I stole the GameStop over the years. I deeply regret because I, I had some real classics. Mm-hmm. Um, so Parasite Eve. Um, what else? I mean, and it's not RPG, but first game me and my brother ever beat together. First game we actually ever finished was Metal Gear Solid. Oh, like, wow. okay. Yeah, on the PS4, yeah, so both nine, ten playing this game, and uh, I realized like what like what game you finish first is like affects every game. Like, so in other words, we wanted heavy narrative <laughs> that became like our MO, or um, which something I really actually like about uh, the Glory Anthem setting. I'm noticing even when I was reading the mechanics for the pen and paper is. They try to have the lore match the mechanics. Like the mechanics and the lore, they're not separate, th- which drove me crazy. I've so many JRPGs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, even, even, even a lot of even um a lot of Western ones. Um the mechanics and the narrative and the stuff, it, 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 I think they call it like narrative dissonance, whatever it's called, pseudo. It, it became, creates definitely a dissonance between the play mm-hmm. and what you're seeing. That yeah. was frustrating me. So it was let me think. So, so I still played so many RPGs though. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, let's let's see, like in terms of tabletop RPGs. What, oh yeah, okay. What's your gaming history? I, I got good stories with this guys. Oh yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So it was. Um, I was like just got on the Brilliance, and I was working as a bartender in New York, and I discovered this cafe. What was it called? It's like called the Bound or something. I forgot what the name. It's famous apparently in New York. Massive amount of board games there. They had a the pen and paper night. So I ended up walking on someone's game. Uh, thank God this guy's an experienced DM and he had a good sense of humor of a D&D. And I realized uh, D&D is super fun uh, if you play with people that know how to play, like especially the ones that knew how to do the role-playing side and have fun with it, like just to take the piss out of it, but they know what they're doing. And that was my first experience. Like, oh, 
this is so great. How 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 old were you? I was in my mid twenties. Okay, yeah. And then uh, I got into for at least several months into a vampire masquerade game, and uh, it was it was a newer one, newer World of Darkness. Uh, the thing is, though, I would create my character to be one way, and I would role play them completely differently. And in retrospect, as part of my immaturity, I think at the time. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if it's a, if it's a Malkavian, it's fine. But if it's, <laughs> yeah. if it's something else, then yeah, maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, screwed up. It, but it was it was a newer World of Darkness. Yeah, and I, I was I, it I, like the the Chronicles of Darkness or it was it wasn't it was it wasn't Masquerade. It was Vampire um... Requiem. Yes, that was right. It. Okay, yeah. yeah, it was that, and, uh, and it was it's, it was good time. The, the group would meet like every other week, uh, every other week, and it, it was it became like a solid thing I do after work. Um, and it was like through the group app, and then you know I did play other stuff. And I think it's by that point though, I owned actually a lot of pen and paper RPGs through the drive through because I found their lores and mechanics, and I always was really curious about game design. So I would want to uh, so like. Ones I never got to play but always wanted to would be uh, "Don't Sleep." Uh, you mean don't don't rest your head, or is there... you don't rest your head? Don't rest your head. There was okay, another yeah. one. It's about where you lose your soul, and the whole process is trying to get it back. I can't remember the name of that one. Oh, uh, was it a World of Darkness one? It was a World of Darkness. No, no, no. And it's like, and oh. if you get your soul back, you can actually you're, you're like you can end it there, or you can play more, and your character's more tuned. Then they could eventually become a mage, and mages are weird in that world where they're fighting with their shadow. And they're trying to, they're in a battle for like trying to become immortal. It's funny if you go down that route. But that, yeah, that was an interesting one. Um, then there was another one. Uh, I have almost all the lore, almost all the books for the second edition. Oh my God. Unknown Armies. Oh, I love Unknown Armies. Yes. I mean, great. I had some of the new one too, the third edition, but I always wanted to play it. I found the magic system. The lore is so good. And I love like the yes. how they have the mages and the, with the avatars and just everyone's batshit unstable. Like I, it, uh. it's a great game. I love it. I have all the books of all three editions actually. So actually, a good question for that about you. Um, so in the second edition, they how, from the player's perspective, they want to kind of not have them know dick just kind of unravel it slowly where the third edition they just got rid of that like okay no it's fine if they know the mistress yeah. i'm curious how do you since you play it what do you feel about that because i i didn't care to know if it was ever so i read all the all the characters are all so well but all the npcs they break these npcs so good and the one shots oh <laughs> yeah yeah some of the one shots are great like uh, jailbreak is great uh and it's also crazy like some of the uh uh, I think the Fly to Heaven, which is this one shot where you are on a plane being hijacked by a terrorist who wants to crash it on uh, buildings in a major American city in order to ascend <laughs> as the new avatar of the new uh, archetype of the terrorist. That was written and published, I think, two years before 9-11. Holy shit! It's fucking insane. Yes. Wow. And uh, if you if you look at it now, you go like, "What the fuck?" But uh, two look years at the dates. prior. Yeah, yeah. It's like I don't know if it's exactly two years, but it's it's that, that, like, that, like, that that's bananas because that's like so close. Because if he did that afterwards, that was deeply unsensitive. Yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. And that's why that, when when I found the scenario, it was just after 9-11. And I'm like, whoa, too soon. And then I looked at the date and I'm like, <laughs> holy shit, no, actually. But anyway, um, to your question, um, I think there is a general trend with role-playing games in the 2010s and 2020s to cut down on the startup 
of the campaign. So for example, RuneQuest Glorantha starts you already experienced. When RuneQuest 2 starts you, like you've got 20% in every skill. Delta Green, which is, you know, sort of related to unknown armies because some of some of the same people. Same thing, like the first edition was like you don't know Delta Green, you play an adventure, you get initiated into it, like uh, you you join the, the organization, but you don't know anything and it's not but the new one is like no, you start you're already a part of Delta Green and so I think it's a it's a general move towards, you know, we are all middle-aged now. We've got kids. We don't have time to do the <laughs> exactly. whole, like, you know, six months of... Yeah. So I think the new edition of the Known Armies that is, is firmly set in that trend of, like, you know, let's let's get started, play, because we don't have time to do a two-year that, that being said, that I'm a sucker for the life path system because I like when character yeah. creation is done organically with the mechanics and the lore. Yeah. Some people, some people, I don't know, like it. They think it's far too restrictive. I kind of like how it fuses everything yeah. me, naturally into it. where you've been, where you came from, yeah. who you were, all up to this point. Yeah. Uh, but it, and like so, like if it's crunching, if it's done crunch, if it's crunching, if it's done well, like it's all is organic. Yeah. Like Harm World, I always know when I always want to play on a lot of their material. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, the life path system really is one of the oldest uh, on the market. Uh, with Traveler, you always already started. Uh, everyone played a veteran from one of the Imperial services. Oh, really? <laughs> it goes even beyond that because some of the life path system are just about like, you know, you can still allocate your points where you want in your character. And so if you want to play, you know, a certain type of character, you can still build it that way. And then the life path system just fills up the blanks of, yeah. you know, who you know, who, like, do you have family, etc. Yeah. Right. So like, for example, Cyberpunk Red does that, um, RuneQuest does that. But Traveler takes it like way beyond that, where it's like, no, it's like everything. So if you decide that you want to play like an, uh, for example, an ex-marine character mm -hmm. that's going to have like you know gun uh, skills and and uh, equipment and contacts in the army or whatever, well, you can't actually you can't go into traveler character creation at least the the vanilla one thinking that you just need to play it as a mini game of life because if you want to get in the army, you might you you have to roll. To get accepted into an uh, an army academy, and then you roll to see if any incidents happen, and half of the time you're going to be actually discharged after a couple of years because you got a an injury or something, and so boom, you can't be a marine. So now you have to go to I don't know medical school instead, and then you realize you become a doctor. So yeah, I kind of like that. Oh uh, well, that's rather modern. Uh, the uh, the classical traveler you really uh, joined a career and uh, went through it as long as you uh, as it would carry you. Well, yeah, you you need to roll every. I think uh, it's every yeah. four years you need to roll and to see if you stick in it. And so if you can't stay in it, you only get like a point or two in the related skills, and then you you have to you're kicked out or you have to quit. And the, and yeah. Then, yeah. Then you start the game. <laughs> so, so yeah, you you can't really go into the traveler life uh, life path with an idea of what character you want to do. You have to go into it in more of a let's see where life takes me. There, there's another one. I thought it was called Armor Core Mac, and it had a really complex life path system. <laughs> I think I don't remember the name of it. And the joke was like you want to be like a like this like 
alien race warrior ever someone's it's, it's probably me now in the community you rolled to be an alien race warrior but now you're a uh, transvestite one like pirate <laughs> that's that's just how it turned out life takes you in the weird places yes oh yeah <laughs> And I kind of like it when it's a little random. It's another one that has a that was inspired by Glory Anthem. I forgot what it's called. It's called Burning World or something. I got I got to look it up. It had a really complicated Burning Wheel. No, not Burning Wheel. I always wanted to try Burning Wheel. I like their system because it's all about relationships. So from so my understanding, Burning Wheel is so flexible that you can kind of put it in any setting, as long as if you know it well enough. It's very it's very versatile system, but it allows a lot of. Uh, a lot of good stuff. And you're not really even awarded for doing battle. You're awarded for really good war, uh, role-playing. That's actually how like it works. It encourages role-playing. Co- encourages cooperation or you get extra points if you like make your character develop or sacrifice or go against themselves. But uh, and like, and, and I think there's this part of that system is the table actually has to vote if you did something like this. Like actually, I agree. Like, that, was, that was good. So it incentivizes really good RPing. Which is always great because I was never fun of the intense combat of D and D or how people either people either play like a good role playing game or they play it like uh, mid max in the hell. Yeah, technical better game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, people play RuneQuest min max as min masters uh, also. That that yeah. is like missing the point, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so how how did you eventually yeah find Lorenza? So I was actually still in the core at the time. And I was, I don't know how I came across maybe in a form of King of Dragons Pass. This is maybe just trying to remember, it's 2019, not 2019, 09. And I was like, this is so cool. This game looks interesting. And I was like, you play it's this like kind of Iron Age clan setting. So I bought the game physically, physically got the CD, got this back when the games had manuals, thick manuals. And he's like, he like, like, I remember. He's a German, he's a German gamer, man. So you both are. So it's like you're you're you got Eurojank. I love Eurojank games, by the way. Well, like, I mean, it, it's not just about the manuals because um lately I've been also trying to uh collect all of the games of one of my favorite video game series of all time, which is Ultima. Oh, oh, oh the, that's uh, uh... The, the old classic uh, uh role-playing yeah, game. Good. And so those those games, the Ultima games, not only did they come with like manuals and books of spells and stuff, but they also came with cloth maps in the box. Uh, one, I think, Ultima Underworld had a little pouch with little runes. So it was like more than manuals back then. Games had like actual <laughs> never maps. like that. It, they were so in touch with their their pen and paper roots. You still had like this crossover going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you see that even with the Japanese RPGs of the eighties and the early nineties too. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's some there's some channels I really like. <clears throat> once <clears throat> I'm trying to remember once called us something based gamer basement. He just goes over like ninety eight, uh, ninety yeah, eighty eight and ninety ninety eight um, PC RPGs from that Japanese. Like that was a, the big Japanese computer system back then. And you see their their boxes are gorgeous. They had really actually in depth manuals of just like explaining the lore and the story that you see couldn't fit back then in the systems. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, another, so anyway, yes. you got King of Dragon Pass. Yeah, I got King of Dragon's Pass and I loved it. But I was never I wasn't the original one um was brutal. It's very hard game to actually play. <laughs> yes. uh, I would always get as far as like forming my tribe and then things would just fall apart. <laughs> 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 um, 
And and the thing is too, it's like, and I would read it so carefully because it's just so much lore in the manual. But then there's also so much lore in the game you needed to do. Yeah. So you actually had to really know them. And it's, it's something what I realized: King of Dragon Fast, even though you're, is you're not, you're you're not really playing. You're really playing the ring. You're the ring itself. You're the kind of shared agreement of the ring. If I had to say, as the player character or whoever is making the action, you are that person in that time. So there's the role playing, the governance of the tribe, where they're all individual people, but you're also all them. It's very, it's kind of a beautiful thing going on there. And then, and then you get attached, and when they die, my heart would break because some, especially if they're useful, but not even they're useful. You just those crazy, uh, yeah. oh my god, the trickster god is always such a it's always such a troll. I love them. Um, yeah. And then your sheep ran out. Yeah, so that got me into the series. That really got me because I fell in love with the lore and I found out it's a you know, pen and paper game. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I was too young at the time. And then uh, I eventually got it on my tablet and my PC. And that's actually when I first beat it, like properly beat it. And I discovered what King of Dragon Pass is actually doing. I didn't realize this. I thought they're just pulling from the Lord. No, you're reenacting uh, the foundation of the kingdom of Sarks. Is that how you say it? Of Sarks. Yeah. So King of Dragon Pass is the re- it's, it's showing the kingdom of Sarks creation through your own. More or less, uh, because compared to the canon, King of <laughs> Dragon Pass does, doesn't have Sartar himself, like the, the yeah. founder. I he wish he was there. Yeah, yeah. I, so I, it's, I, it's a parallel history, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, in comparison to... Uh, six ages because there's such little information in the lore he just filled all the holes and be canonical as much as he wants yeah 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 because i because i realized so that's what got me digging again right because dying for lights go out and i was like look at this looking so hard and i was like and then i would first i went to the, the wiki Glorantian wiki which is actually very sparse yeah. but they have references they tell you where they get things <laughs> from yeah and a lot of the historical books are uh, probably not legal, but I, I was able to download so much of the history stuff on PDFs. And uh, they, well, I, of course, I bought like the, the bigger, more recent stuff um, to get an idea. But the earlier time period for the uh, Harlanians, all that. And that's what I realized. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. In this world and people play. So like King of Dragon Pass is actually really far back in the timeline. And then Six Ages is like, yeah yeah, it's like pre-time and it's it's kind of ballsy he's trying to show that in the in the world Mm -hmm. something uh, like metaphysically because uh before i went into theology i was a philosophy man uh that's my undergrad and uh, we always talked about like uh the idea of time idea of like god is out of time in time because it's huge it actually matters because god's supposed to be unchanging and um there's a lot of philosophical implications if you end time. So the, being timelessness, if you're timeless and internal, because something's internal, it's actually timeless. Um, to Because to be in time, it means you're affected by change. That idea of pre-time, almost pre-eternity, because they kind of hint at this, like even the God Wars were going on, that it was chaotic there wasn't actually a timeline and there was an earlier book i i read about the magic and the religious system uh, in Gloranthum, particularly obviously it focuses on heartlands but they talk about god the god space it's like it's like a living tapestry mm-hmm. that's yeah. weaving all together all at once so you're like for them they're existing in a eternity of their all events at once if i'm understanding it correctly because so yes. the metaphysics and the theology is really interested and this is back when i was agnostic 
I wanted to know and figure it out. <laughs> so that that's the stuff I got into. I like and I wanted to play, but like uh, the mechanics always kind of felt intimidating. But also, I wanted to learn. I, I, the, I would the mechanics love, of of what the front quest or of, yeah, room quest and okay. like. Yeah. What my my dream game would be something like Six Ages or King of Dragons Pass, where you develop your clan and your tribe, but then you can switch off, kind of like the adventure mode and uh, um, Dwarf Fortress, oh. and you can play as <laughs> and you and you can play as members of your clan, like the smaller members of Blades or uh, Sword, and you can see like their perspective during these events, and you can respond to it. Yeah. And I, and I, <laughs> Yeah, you want actually you want the, the Sims, the Sims Galorenta. Yeah, oh yeah, I would love that. <laughs> yeah. love that. Uh, but uh, they really try to uh, achieve that with a new edition of RuneQuest, because like in King of Dragon Pass, or uh, you play uh, one scenario per season. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's uh, at most one uh, adventure per season. Your characters play, and the clan progresses anyway. Well, you you would need to make up your own rules for the. The downtime part where you play the ring of the clan, though. But yes. I like downtime, though. I, yeah. I wish people focus more on downtime because um, uh, to to me, downtime is like okay, these are normal people; they have lives. Adventures are something ex extraordinary. It's not a normal thing. Yeah, I've I've played games like that, really, uh, but that was with the hero quest system. Now this quest was where each clan would get five resources. These resources would get some ability number, and then you would uh, the GM would toss up one problem or two to the clan, and the clan would have to decide which resources would uh, deal with the problem. Yeah. So yeah, back in back in that like with the hero quest, hero war system. Well, hero quest mostly. Your clan itself had a character sheet. Nice. Uh, a bit a bit like you know your ship gets a character sheet in Traveler or your Ben yeah. gets a character sheet in Blades in the Dark or whatever and uh, and so it had characteristics and then you could roll and spend resources from your clan to yeah. like to, to deal with stuff. So when Green King of Dragons Pass came out, was that already around and they're just kind of putting that into a game? It was under development and the main developer also uh, cooperated on King of Dra uh, Dragon Pass. Uh, that's Robin Laws. Okay. God bless him. God bless him. So uh, Robin wrote a lot of the storyline of King of Dragon Pass and now the Six Ages games. What, what do you guys, have you played Six Ages yet? What are your thoughts of them? I'm curious. I haven't played Six Ages yet. I, have to I played the first one, loved it, but it was short. It's very short. Uh, and it's not mm. like as expansive. I hear, I haven't got playing Nights Go uh, Lights Go Out, but I hear Lights Go Out. They, see, I like I like King, I like Six Ages. I like uh, Ride Like the Wind. But um, yeah, uh, I haven't played it yet. But lights going out is going to uh, shatter you. <laughs> yeah, so they're going. You're, you're really seeing things fall apart, uh, and that's yeah. what gotcha gotten kind of talk to you guys because I was trying to make sense of this timeline. Because again, I, I'm more into the lore and the magic. Um, but you know what's fascinating? This is how I know it was made by a sociologist and anthropologist because um, if I'm understanding correctly, this hero quest to confuse me. I'm like, are they? How are they propelled? What's going on here? And it's not really explained in the games, the computer games, anyway. You have to look at the lore. Well, uh, in one respect, uh, hero quests are a bit like a passion play, mm -hmm. but one with a deeper meaning. Oh, okay, okay. So they're like, okay. So, so um, yeah, to, uh, to the people on the outside, you see uh, these masked uh, people doing some mummery, uh, reenacting the myths. 
people inside the uh, mummery will uh, experience the character of the mask and will interact with the deities the masks uh, represent. Okay. So on the outside, it, it's like it looks like a complex ritual slash reenactment of the myth. But the yes. person actually here questing, they are in god space even though they're physically grounded here they're also in the god space yeah uh, well uh, then the lowest uh, level you uh, really are in the passion play and just uh, re uh, see the uh, gods through the mask so you perceive uh, that's uh, gary from over there who's playing who's playing that op opponent but at the same time you uh, perceive the opponent and have to deal with that that's the lowest level of uh, identification But uh, then you can have the in incursion of the god time into your passion play. And the uh, more higher hero quests uh, have you actually enter god time physically. So, oh, so in other words, you're getting older doing this. They start off like it gets more and more and becomes the god time. The more yes. magic, the more oomph that's put into this. Yes. And um, in, in, in that higher level, you are both experiencing a variant of the myth and possibly creating a variant of the myth yes that's so, that's so fascinating so yeah. maybe well, i mean like you know we'll probably preface that by saying that there's no official rules for hero questing in the rune quests there are Yet. official <laughs> rules for um hero questing in the old hero quest hero wars thing and on top of that everybody might doing dif differently so that's you know well, that's yeah. just Jurg's interpretation of it and then there's also the way it's done in King of Dragon Pass yeah. which is different from yes like how it might be in on our game because that, that's the thing it's, it's like you could change the myth but then you and I see this in six ages too people have competing mythologies that are yes. all happening at once in the god <laughs> in god space in the god time yeah it's always a matter of perspective yeah and you know it's fascinating uh we actually have something so being a theology major right but, but we actually have something similar so when you go to divine liturgy or when you do these especially these big feast days like holy week pasca because you, you carry around crosses you reenact scenes um they are all you're when you're there in that space you're actually you don't because we're spiritually weak we don't realize it but we're in eternity in this moment so the eucharist itself the priest is acting as an icon in the standard for christ he doesn't do anything he's lending his hands like the actors would be in the passion blood but what he's taking part is in the, in the internal sacrifice so even you can believe in the real presence and the one sacrifice but it's, it, it's a sacrifice in eternity god giving himself to himself in eternity yes and giving himself back to us but if you but we're all broken people so we don't uh we don't pick up the fact that we're in paradise we're in the second coming etc etc so the, theologically it's funny it's very similar it, it, that's but it goes back to pre-christian uh or judeo this symbolic worldview that we see yes. in early people and which we kind of sadly we lost kind of account of like these interconnectivities of things it's, it's a really beautiful way to view the world <laughs> Uh, I would take that over the hyper-materialism that uh, society has given me. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, sorry if that was off kind of tangent, guys. I hope that wasn't at all. No, it's uh, actually, actually that's the, uh, the deeper meaning of the hero questing. In the game, it already starts when you cast some rune magic of your deity. So uh, when you toss a lightning, you do so as Orlanth, the storm god. So uh, uh, you're basically uh, taking the role of a, a god or giving the god the, uh, uh, the activity to uh, do his thing in the world. Yeah, because 
after the after the great darkness is they can't interact with the world directly anymore so they yes. have to do it through their followers so yes. how does how do what's the difference between the initiates and the priests how does the priesthood and stuff work and at least because i know and because every system's different every culture is different the culture's so vast the heartland empire they seem like they have a really formalized system where uh not the heartland the uh the harlonians the, the uh, Luna empire. nowadays yeah uh, they have, but then you have like what is it that that big bat goddess? What's her name? Uh, the red the goddess. Sun. What the red goddess? The goddess of red moon. She's like you know like understanding digging more in the lore. Um, she's like one end she scares the hell out of me, but the other end they kind of make her not sympathetic, but you kind of get where they come from. It's like a cosmic balance that needs to be maintained here. Yes, but she's also able to kind of subvert the. Uh, like the, what freaks people out is if I'm understanding like the mechanics and the metaphysics of the theology here, yes. she subverted the the, the paths, the great uh, that the light givers made, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, uh, basically uh, they made the great compromise without her, and she returned anyway. Some say that she returned, others say she was created. Yeah. Everybody disagrees, but that's normal in theology. <laughs> yeah. So that's why is that one of the reasons reason they're able to dominate so intensely because their god is actually here interacting and because the, the the red moon is up there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the idea also is that because all of the gods did the compromise and you know they stay eternal and outside of time, like you said, uh, because they created time by separating the god world from the mundane world. But the red goddess was like, yeah, like York says, either returned or was creating within time. And to do that, some like a lot of people, including the lunars themselves, say that. Uh, they had to use chaos to do this sort of oh. uh, intrusion into the world. And so that's why a lot of people don't like the Red Goddess and the Crimson Bad, yeah. because it has an element of chaos in it. And that's the thing about chaos, right? It's like, at least the games have done a really good job of like, why would anyone want to interact with chaos unless uh, desperate? I get that being desperate, but chaos <laughs> is looking at. So it, it reminds yeah. you of almost these platonic ideas that it gets into. Uh, you see in Platonism, then you later on you see it in, uh, in like Christianity yeah. and Augustine and the Cappadocian Fathers. So it's this idea is uh, we every every human everything in creation is actually inherently good. Animals and such they're able to do naturally do the will of God. So. They yeah, go yeah. on a creative process. When you go against something, which is corruption, um, and also you you hurt yourself. That's what actually corruption is. You're doing against what's actually supposed to be your nature. Uh, for humans, it's cleaving God, it's returning love, etc. So the more you go against it, the more you're hurting yourself. But the thing is, like the complete absence, of the idea of evil is actually nothing. It's nothing. True evil isn't anything at all. It's the void. It's it's uncreation. So. Yes. There can never be actually true evil because it means something is utterly true. There's non-existence. So that's why also like why kind of humans are damned. It's not because God doesn't love them. It's because they separated themselves so much they can't interact with them anymore or they choose not to. But because they're created in him, they cannot be destroyed because there's still inherently a goodness there. It's a weird, it's sad. Um, it's like a spiritual suicide that you can't actually die. Um but so like chaos, I see that there. It's because it's like it's a it's it's a corruption of what is natural. Yes. Uh, chaos is a bit weird. Uh, what you have this out there is the void of unlimited potential. Mm -hmm. so anything could happen. And from this anything could happen, the uh, creation happened. The world uh, came into being. 
And as the world grew, it drew upon this uh, limitless creation and uh, imposed limits and uh, introduced the elements and everything. But by doing so, um, not all of the transformation was perfect and some of the stuff uh, still retained uh, some of this uh, potential. And this unlimited potential doesn't agree with the rules of the world. So it causes uncreation. Weird. So it's it's like a, it's like a it's like a genetic it's like almost like a genetic mutation in the very fabric of what is created. Like yeah, the or, cosmos itself. Yeah. Or you have uh, you have these building stones of uh, code, and there's some virus in the code. But in the sense, it's like on the cosmic level, and it's like a cancer. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but in in small doses, um, this can be dealt with. So um, chaos is part of the world. Chaos is part of the compromise, even. Interesting. Okay. So I'm still figuring the lore out, and I haven't been because of school. <laughs> I haven't been able to go deep as I want to. Yeah. Uh, there's like so many questions I got for you guys. So like, there's mechanics where I'm like the lore. I'm like like you, uh, my good Frenchman. I'm in love with the lore. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh. So you have the red. You so you have the red moon and the. Uh, so, but like, and that's the thing. It's right. So you have the emperor that Orgorth overthrew. So we see the god of all creation or all the whole world and what is, do other cultures have lineage to him like is there like competition like competition between who you picked well there are a couple of uh rivaling worldviews there okay so uh the most common one is the theist one where you have certain pantheons of deities doing their stuff inside creation and they all rely on some elder deities first and foremost Dorantha herself the being who uh, separated herself from the void and uh, became the cosmos. So she's the mother of all. Yeah, she's basically the mother of the universe. The yeah, the, the, when when you look at the that theist view of of the world, it's it has like some parallels with, for example, like the Greek myth, where yeah. you know you've like got Gaia, you've got Gaia, Sky. then you've got the Titans, and then they get overthrown by the gods, and the gods then yes. rule the thing. So it's a bit like that. You got Glorenta, then you got the um, what is it, the uh, celestial, the celestial court, court with all the basic runes, but they don't do much because they're pure representation of the runes. And then you've got the elemental gods, like you know the sun god, the storm god, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, who overthrow those, and then they start fighting and blah 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 blah. So it's it's a bit like that. Yeah. Um, and eventually there's the great darkness, the gods war, chaos, blah, blah. And then they create time. Um, yeah. there are other views, of course, like, uh, for example, the, yeah, let's take the dragons, the dragons <laughs> say, uh, that... yeah, the dragons are, I'm very curious about them. Yeah. Continue. Um, they say there was, uh, this, uh, primal egg, so to say, which, uh, uh, gave birth to the ancestral dragon, uh, who then tore apart the egg and made the cosmos out of the pieces. The dragon uh, separated into six uh, elder dragons who did stuff, uh, who then uh, subdivided further. Uh, the dragons uh, still uh, aim to return to transcendence to leave this world again. So the dragon, so you got the dragon Watts, whatever. I think uh, you run into them, and then there's the friends of the dragons. People are just kind of scared of them. They're yes. weird because yeah, dragons I, I, are scary. Uh, that's one of the one of the things they are because they are uh, beings almost beyond creations. They uh, deal with the ultimate. They uh, uh, took this egg out of chaos and made the world out of it. 
and then they attempt to leave it again. So dragons are inherently like these deeply mystical. They're not like even how we think. Of, they're like co- they're really cosmic beings on levels of gods. Even like the normal dragons. Yes. They're they're yes. into like very uh, sort of uh, deep mysticism in the sense that. Uh, all they care yeah. about really is some sort of mystical awakening that reality, like the, the world, isn't actually real. And once they can let themselves go of the uh, illusion of materialism, then they, they disappear uh, from the world and they go like, oh, actually, this was all just like um, not important. Let me go over to the um, higher planes of existence or the non-existence. Yeah, that's a, that sounds like uh, Hinduism and the idea of samsara. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's, that's like that was screaming at me. My my memories of my comparative religion <laughs> class. All yeah, and I mean, ago. like a lot of those yeah. worldviews, you'll find a couple of analogies to real world, which is which is sort of nice because. Uh, when, if you're like me and you do it the other way, you come to Glorenta, you see all this lore and you're like, hmm, that's interesting. And then, and then you go to <laughs> educate yourself about real world religion and then it makes sense. Yeah. A bit yeah more. And then you go like, oh, this yeah. sort of like that. And so I, I've learned a lot afterwards. Yeah. Whereas people like you, they already <laughs> know that stuff. Yes. And then they look at Glorenta and they go like, oh, that reminds me of this. That's interesting. So yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, and it's so um, it's it's you know so thank like so the knowledge of iconography and ritual being in that side of the faith helped me later on get hero quests at least that makes sense a bit to me a bit more. But I'm so happy they didn't try to emulate Christianity. That idea of the God Man is really complex theology that caused a lot of fistfights. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I, I'm not. I wish I was joking. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's it's yeah. like it's really really wild uh the whole idea of the hypostatic union jazz so i'm glad they didn't go that route they went more with like the uh i, I would argue maybe more hindu and hinduism is really fascinating too because they don't have like ideas of dogma like uh we mm-hmm. do in the west uh <laughs> for him and mind you that's this on paper real life hindus will kill each other over mm-hmm. these differences uh but for them, it's like you can worship all the gods are real. Uh, all the gods yeah. are just aspects of the three main one: uh, uh, Vish, uh, Brahman, Shiva, and Vishnu. Or Shaman, Vishnu, and Vishnu are just three accidents of the Atman Brahman, the universal soul. And the universal soul is what actually is the cosmos, but we can't see it because we're stuck yeah. here in Sipsara. Um, or, or you can be completely, uh, there's even full on atheistic um, philosophies in Hinduism as well. It's like an option. So, because it's old. <laughs> yeah. there, there are also se- semi-atheistic uh, worldviews in Glorenta too with the Westerners. The, they're not actually atheists because they acknowledge the existence of the gods, but they just say that they don't deserve worship. Yeah. They're just powerful spirits that they that can be used, but they are not yeah. deserving of worship. So yeah. that's that's the Westerners like the Malkyoni and all that. Oh yeah. wow, that, that that's got yeah. piss people off in Glorantha. Yeah, oh, like, yeah, they uh, they're called uh, humanists because they say the world was created for humans and humans are the central object of the world. They're also called materialists, and they even have an outside creator deity, an invisible one. So they're all over the place. They're like they, they sound like a cross between like that humanistic philosophy we see in the Renaissance, but then they're like yeah. uh they're like if deism had a religion. Yeah, um they uh they have a lot of neoplatonistic uh views. Oh so okay, continue, continue. I don't want to interrupt you. 
Um, yeah, they have an idealized society where everybody serves together for logical um, society, and uh, this logic demands that the magic will be de uh, dealt with by uh, flexible uh, specialists. It's a caste system, is, uh, effectively. Yes. Yeah, so that, that is actually very similar to the way like the the Hindu caste system is set up. Yeah, but but it also sounds like they're taking inspiration from like the less an allegorical reading of the Republic. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. The Republic is uh, behind one of the big uh, uh, Marchioni kingdoms mm -hmm. right now. Yeah, yeah. They oh, yeah. did manage to create that ideal uh, society for a while, but now they're meeting reality again. Well, so Bob, you know, it's interesting when you ever, you ever get around reading the Republic. By the end of the fourth book, you realize, oh no, Plato was always talking allegorical about this thing. Yeah. But the fifth book is where it gets yeah. weird, and you get into sharing your why. My we're actually on that right now. My professor is like, we're gonna yeah. speed through this one because there's a lot of women in my class, and I don't blame him either. He's like such a dad. He's like a heart. He has nothing but daughters too. So he's just like. Cooper, dad, wholesome, loves classical. I mean, he's a very sweet man, actually, Professor Debs. He's like, we're just going to read the fifth book in one sitting. And he's like, I, I want to talk about this. He's like, it's like if Plato dropped acid, we're going to talk about this at least. Um, but uh, yeah, no. Um, so what's wild with it, so I was reading the lore, trying to get the history. There's like the craziness of the gods, and then there's what's happening on the ground. And they interact. But knowing both is very hard. <laughs> it's because there's yeah. so much to know. And then sorting it, like getting ready for lights go out. I was trying to figure out, like, okay, why did he pick this clan? Like, why did he pick this group? The, why did he pick the uh, the uh, the Brandundians? So there, so it got me going back the proto history wise of the Harlandians, if I'm saying it correctly. Um, yeah. For, well, I mean, I think it's like the. Um... Uh, proto Pelorians, like the the Dara happens or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like they go way back, way back. Like, um, yes, because like in in um, six ages and the second six ages, you effectively play like god time sun worshippers. I assume that you picked that because it's even more impactful for sun worshippers when the sun god gets killed. So yeah. at that point, so you you are like one of the foundational tribes of the Heartland. So like, uh, yes, you play as the first game. You play as the clan at birth. Uh, oh my god, I look them up right now. Hold on. Um, uh, the higher lowerings. Yeah, <laughs> and like that marriage. And I know like your wife in that game, the founder. She she actually gets on community clan ring. She becomes a goddess later mm -hmm. in mythology. Yes. Um, she's one of the daughters of. She's a the granddaughter Storm. of Orland because uh, yes. she. And her father is like the founder of what's his name? Oh my god, there's an H. I the think. Vincot. It's Vincot, the founder of Thank the Vincot Link Kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> so you play as what you the big guy in your clan is I think Burn the Rider names. Yeah, Baron the Rider. Oh so, yeah. Tribe, yeah. Sorry, I'll interrupt. Continue, continue. No, no, no. But uh yes, they are one of the uh, ten founding uh or nine founding tribes of the Vincotling Kingdom. And uh, they survive through the ages, uh, well, into the Gbaji Wars, where they perish. But uh, members of the, this tribe will continue to uh, have pivotal roles in the history of Durant. Yeah, so why, yeah, so he picked this tribe. I don't know that, the, like, so what, what was their big things they do? Now, mind you, he's looking at their early history, so it gives him a lot of good story things he can just put yes. in there. What 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 are they known for? What do they become? It was, it was got me fascinated because I was like, look at trying to find yeah, out well, like 
Well, um, they did the first foreigner wedding, so uh, they united the Sun uh, Sun tribe with the Storm tribe. <laughs> no, that's a big one. That's in the first. Others game. followed. They were uh, one of the tribes who uh, helped uh, to get through the greater darkness. Did help what? 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 They helped uh, to get the world through the greater darkness. Oh, really? So they're okay. So they're actually. But that's the... a, that's a bit of a spoiler for lights going. Oh, on. that's fine. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> Afterwards, they are part of the Dawn Council. What's the Dawn? Uh, the Council of World Friends, where uh, all people of the region who fought against chaos uh, unite and spread out the message of uh, the gods are back, the sun is shining, and uh, life has begun again. It's it's basically uh, the uh, at the beginning of time. It's the formation of the United Nations of Glorantha. Oh. So there, so they were kind of always at really pivotal moments. Yes, there and involved. Yeah, and then they disagreed with the god, uh, with the uh, protagonist of the god project of the second council, which resulted from that world council, and they lost uh, big. And one of their number uh, later turned the wheel by returning the big foe of the, that uh, bright empire that resided. So do you have either like the Glorantha source book or the, the guide to Glorantha? Or... I did, I did. And it's like, so they barely briefly mentioned this stuff. So they they mention all that stuff because it's like the, the first few centuries of history after time starts, right? So, yeah. but I'm not sure that the, the, the that tribe from Six Age is mentioned by name in the books really. It's not mentioned by name, but uh, the protagonist is mentioned. It's Hamast, barefoot. And so he's so he's a big deal in like the glory. He's a big and, deal. He's the first Olanthi to perform the Lightbringers quest to re, uh, to repeat the great deed of Olanth and the other gods who uh, rebuild the world. Oh, oh, okay. So that's in other words by picking up this is tribe foundational. Uh, yeah. One of their members is also one of the big heroes for yes. the people. And his descendants continue to mingle. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if they're going to end with him. Like, I'm wondering if they're building up to him. They're going to end with him or they're going to go um, six eight. Um, he's going to be in the third or fourth episode. I'm uh, pretty certain of that. I don't know because, like, it would first require the next six ages to sort of like get out of the god time and go into the beginning of time, right? Um, yeah, um, he might he might take a role similar to Derek Poljoni. So you have to breed him, then you have to support him, and then you have to let him go away while you're doing the other stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I got I gotta get into that, and then but then also so I was reading it like the so when I was reading the lore, they mostly focused on this one young man and when i was reading the source book and he's the one that becomes the new high king he fights back the empire Agraf. oh right Agraf, yeah. so yes. that's that's in the quote-unquote <laughs> present days yeah yeah yes. well that's the thing is right so what's wild i'm realizing this is like when so all the stuff i'm reading is the equivalency of whoever wrote it is they're writing it like this is like a the iliad story for them yes yeah which is bananas. Yes. So Agrath is one of the protagonists of the first board game that was published for Garantha. Mm -hmm. uh, he's uh, he's the chief of the Storm Nation, which faces the Lunar Empire. And in that board game, you play either side, and uh, none of the sides is really good or bad. Both have assassins, 
the Lunas have some chaos, uh, but uh, the Orlanti are more likely to use dragons. So, <laughs> well, interesting because it's so actually, yeah, the development of the lore in the game it started as a board game, actually, it's like a war game. What, what was changed? I'm really curious about that stuff. Like, the yeah, well, um, the, it's it's a it's a, a board game with um where you're playing through the hero wars, which is the interesting times ahead of us. Things escalate, uh, ever more mythical and destructive stuff comes again, comes in. And yeah, uh, it's already an exercise in role-playing a nation. Okay, nice. <laughs> so it was already a role-play, even though it was a war game, because that's all board games, all these starting yes, out war yeah. games. So you played the the, the video games? And then you figure like, mm-hmm. oh, the lore is awesome. I want to know more. And so you got the books. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you actually ever play any of the RPGs? I want to. It's just like, I don't, The it's like, I think I'll be like, I, I just don't know how to get a group together with this. Uh, it's easier yes. now today with today's post-COVID because Discord, baby. So guys, uh, with the books, with the games, how do you play? The, the, I feel like it would be better to play like minor characters and like maybe something going on in the city instead of going like, bananas crazy with like the gods because i feel like that gets wild i mean it, it depends on your um taste i suppose yeah. because yeah, really. it's it's a bit like any other fantasy game where you might want to play you know warhammer where you play rat catchers who go in the sewers and deal with the corrupt baker who is, who is at the the corner of the street or you can play some big ass dnd thing with like dragons and yeah. and and immortal oh. sorcerers coming back so yeah. you can you can and make it as sort of street level or as epic yeah. fantasy as you want. The street yeah. level, I'm, I'm biased. Street well, level. me too, but super biased. Yeah. Well, uh, street level can easily uh, invoke yeah, but... uh, the symbolism. So the Red King you're fighting may be uh, just a symptom of the greater chaos, and you might uh, be able to strike a decisive. Uh, cool against it and and the thing is also that even if you play street level you know with your clan and the the sort and your tribe and the sort of the local problems and dealing with that uh you might still be forced to hero quest and still deal with the gods themselves yeah. and all that oh yeah and uh as i said before uh when you uh cast the magic of your deity you become your deity for for that moment so um, you can't really avoid the gods if you want their magic. Yeah, but I mean, in, in practice, though, it's like you might narrate that once or twice, but after that, you just roll the dice and you say like, Woohoo, I deal 1d6 damage by lightning. So it's like you yes. forget about it too. So I always like playing as like as boring as this. I like playing as normal people. As, as I get older, when I was younger, oh, of course, escape fantasy. But I mean, most almost everybody who's an adult in Glorenta is initiated into a cult. So you, you would probably, yeah. Exactly. So there's, there's a lot of things. And then I kind of want like them to get wrapped up in something, maybe extraordinary by accident. And that's, that can happen to, or yeah. it could go on an adventure because maybe there was a raid and they want to raid this other side. They want to get some cows. And something goes crazy from there. They could have ran into like some chaos pops out. You know, it's exactly. like, <laughs> you can make it organic. And that's actually kind of like what was really cool about the game. It shows you, it gives you a taste, even from like the ground level, the street level. These people have crazy life experiences, not just the nobles, like the normal farmer, the Carl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'm curious about, is there anything in the lore or in the setting that you actually do not like? No, I have a 
so far, no. I think it's just so much. <laughs> so you hear that a lot. I, you know what they need. So you know about going back to the heart, the heart, uh, the harm world books, right? The harm yeah. world setter. They give like if you get the basic overline, they'll give you what books to get if you want to know about that area, you want to know their history, you want to know their culture. There's nothing like this for Morian. I feel like. Yep. Like if you like you're you're like feeling around in the dark with a whole lot of info and don't know where to start. Uh, the thank God, you know, glory to God, the community here is really friendly and really helpful. Everyone's very chill. Uh, they're very nice people in the in the community from what I've seen online. But still, I would there there should be like a way to like also it makes it doubly fresher. So also time in the war, I think what fresher thing is just competing. You have Rune Quest, you got Glorianth, you got Heroes Quest, you got these competing systems slash titles releasing different books. Yep. Yeah. And then you have the old lore, like old Rune Quest, with it may not I don't know if it's canon anymore, but it's valuable stuff in there. So it's like, how do you sort it? And then there's like the books I were reading. I wasn't even related <laughs> to the mechanical side of the game. Just pure lore, history, sagas, epics, etc. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 messy, yes. <laughs> but I mean, the the way the way you did it by starting with the video games is a pretty common way for people to get into the setting. So I think it's yeah. it's um it's okay. Well, the the games is good at least because it explains you everything oh, not everything but explain it gives it to you piecemeal yeah. and yeah. you by having to understand the mechanics you need to understand all the mythos you need to understand the mentality of the people so you get it yeah. but it's not going to be like yeah it, it's, like you, a, it's like a like a it's like a a, a fingernail worth of info though sorry yeah. sorry George. If if you uh, want to start uh, getting into RuneQuest, the best place to go is possibly the starter set, which gives you all you need to know for your first three adventures. And you have already played a solo adventure by that time as the GM, so you know uh, what your players are going to expect. And then you can branch out from there. So then you can get the full rules if you want more detail, but you can also use these starter set rules to play uh, other uh, campaign sets. And then you can branch out into the cards law and into the background, if you wish. That's nice. Now, now is this starter set, is this for old school rune? Now, would you recommend the new rune quest or the old school rune quest? That's the like, new rune quest, and it's uh, it's a steal at about $30. Oh, that's nice. I'll pick it up sometime then. It's a box which even contains the dice. A $30 box? The physical copy is $30? Yes. It's a starter set which really wants to get people to start playing. I mean, the, uh, the complete rule book with... Uh, the core rules, the GM screen with the scenario package, and the best area is about a hundred bucks. Oh, yeah that, yeah, that would be yeah. But that's a three volume, uh, and uh, more than a thousand pages, so that's yeah, yeah. a hefty uh, collection. But that gives you all the room quests you yeah, need. But the, the starter set is yeah, is good, um, and you've got also the quick start, which is free in PDF if you want to really dip yes. your toe. No, nice. I'm sorry. This is so like I, I, I like one night. I know a decent amount of relatively decent amount of lore uh, for like a guy that hasn't played the the actual game that all this is based off of. So, but like that's thank you so much, boys. And then I guess when it comes to like uh, podcasts and stuff, I love the history of Rome, uh, the Revolution podcast, uh, history of China. There's there's two of them. Um, I really am into. Um, 
so like stuff like that I'm already about like <laughs> i'd recommend because i think we're all history nerds here we're kind of like we're like we like sociology like history we play this game <laughs> yes yeah. well i i sort of became interested in ancient history after <laughs> getting into glorita like i said but yeah so now now i'm also li- listening to a history podcast now <laughs> that's what happens this is, I hope this was a great talk. I'm, I, I hope it didn't go on too many tangents with you guys. <laughs> That's there. fine. No, um, is- yeah, I mean, I had fun. <laughs> but anyway, well, thanks for talking to us. Do you have uh, oh, always? Uh, do you have any uh, place where people can find you or anything you want to plug? Well, you know, you can always find me on Discord. I uh, just turned it off right now because I didn't want the sound popping. But uh, well, it, which is um, once this darn thing loads. Uh, so uh, my name on Discord is old big one word, uh, Sir James, friend of the Colonel. All lowercase, all that's like one word smashed together. Uh, you want to find me there? Uh, you can always find me. Also, I will pop in every so often on the. There's two Glorantian uh, subreddits I know so long. Well, there's probably RuneQuest and Glorantha. And we're very blessed to have that. You guys were such wonderful hosts. Thank <laughs> you for having, having no me on. Thanks for coming. And uh, yeah, tell, tell me when it comes up and I'd love to listen to it, boys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the God Learner's Glorantan Initiation Series. The intro music is Dancing Tiger by Damscray. The outro music is Islam Dream by Serge Quadrado. You can find us online at godlearners.com or on Twitter and Facebook at The God Learners. See you next time question everything to the void and beyond.